Wait, does anyone say fleek anymore? Uh, we do, actively. Literally. We'll keep it alive. We're old. <laughs> we'll keep it alive. Oh, good. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like backstage, but there's no stage. It's the standby for places green room. Welcome to In the Green Room. Hello, viewers and listeners. Welcome to In the Green Room. Uh, today, I will be your host, Dunya, and we have JWB in the house tonight. JWB! <laughs> um, so, Jay, ooh, booked and blessed. You're out in New York City. Where are you, the High Line? I am on the High Line. I'm too booked sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, like, I think part of me having a headache right now is induced by the fact that I'm too busy. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm too busy and my bun is too tight. <laughs> but like what great problems to have because the honestly, hair is on fleek and honestly, you know. the edges, you bald bitches could never. <laughs> Thank you so much for trusting standby for places with an excerpt from your piece, a room full of bitches. Um, so how would you describe the piece? What is the play about? The play is about four bitches in a room of different identities. Uh, it is a, uh, Technically, two Afro-Latino women who are trans, of the trans experience, um, one uh, Black gay boy, perceivably gay, he could be bisexual, he could be, he's loud and queer, mm -hmm. and a white woman, perceivably white woman, uh, and they're all trying to dissect the fact that V has recently left her fiance the night before um, because she found out that he's cheating on her or has cheated on her. And um, in the unpacking of all of that, she ends up having to disclose to them that the woman that he has cheated on her with is also pregnant. Um, and so it starts to kind of unravel people's perspectives on pregnancy and womanhood and the driving wedge between um, cis women and trans women and kind of how there are universalities, but the, the micro differences are big enough to, to have an effect that is felt and experienced at large by different trans identifying people from across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So there are points of intersectionality within the piece and they're kind of discussed, but at the same time, so are the differences? Yeah, I think that it's a piece that looks to explore bridges but also accept that the infrastructure isn't sound either. Mm. If you guys haven't listened to this episode, please go ahead. It's available on Standby for Places on any of your streaming platforms. Um, there is a character, Diane, and she is the cis hetero white woman uh, who is an ally to the main character, V, and everyone in the, in the room. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is trying to show up for the LGBTQ community uh, and not necessarily hijack the narrative or um, appropriate things, what advice would you give for an ally of that nature who is it's new to this? It's so funny because the last time I got interviewed for Standby for Places, one of the questions was, what's the advice you give to an ally? And I said, nothing, go read a book. Um, <laughs> I'll try to be a little more graceful this time. Um, <laughs> I, I think, mean, I think, yeah, because I think play, it's very specific. That's yeah, why I'm I think, bringing it up for this play in specific. I think when we had our first conversation, my reaction to that question had more to do with the fact that if we're highlighting something, then let's focus on what we're highlighting. But, but because of the nature of the play, it is important to kind of understand 
how Diane is trying to be a good ally, but in her attempts to be a good ally, she sometimes centers herself. That's the only way she kind of knows how to um, heal the narrative in the room is by saying, well, I'm of a different experience or I'm of the experience that you're saying is the villain and I've also suffered. I think Diane is a really good example of a lot of cis straight white people who mean well and they have a diverse friend group um, and they've done the work to listen, but sometimes still feel the need to speak. Mm. And I think sometimes when we're allies, we have to figure out when our voices need to be quieted down and when we, when we really need to listen. That's always my biggest piece of advice is our number one job as allies is to listen. And then what do we do with what we hear? Because when there's no one in that room that can defend themselves, it is up to the ally to say, well, you shouldn't say that, or you shouldn't do that, or you shouldn't behave that way to defend the person that, that I've learned from. But in order for there to be learning, we have to listen. Um, but I also don't think that V is correct either, mm. because um, I think that what, what we sometimes get lost in in the intersectional um, and very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Divisive identity politic that we find ourselves in the 21st century in is we, we forget that there is narrative and that there is dialogue that needs to be had. Absolutely. Sometimes we get caught up in, in defending ourselves and, and where we are and how we feel. And while all of that is fair and, and often that is a trauma response, mm-hmm. um, I think it's our jobs as, as those who are marginalized to sometime try and take a step back. And if we are in the headspace to have the dialogue. And right. I think that the other characters in the room, but especially uh, Zane, the brother character, he especially uh, feels that in his spirit that there needs to be a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, while Cookie or Corey is, is more on the side of, well, let her, let her experience the grief that she's experiencing right now, as opposed to trying to bridge the gap between your world and her world. Right, because it's Because her upset is valid. Yeah, her upset is, is valid and very real and tangible to her right now. Right. So how can we do that and I just think sometimes you just have to listen you just have to find a way to listen if you take two seconds to just shut up and not put yourself in the situation not try to find a solution because nothing things don't always require solutions right not not every problem requires an immediate solution sometimes we just need to listen to the pain of our friends around us so that we can really understand why they feel what we're going through is different from what they feel because it is right And I I understand um, that when someone is identifying or trying to to display like intersectional moments um, that it's coming from a place of empathy, but sometimes, right? Sometimes it's like, I get that you're being empathetic, but we're in the midst of it and there's still differentiations and variants here that you don't completely understand and I need you to listen, right? Like that's kind of- What's happening? I mean, before before the world saw me as a woman, I had so many issues with cis women when I would try to bridge the gap. As someone who felt I lived a very parallel experience, even though now as a trans woman, I can really say that the nuances 
of those differences are are so much more stark than than what we think they are Mm -hmm. and you won't ever understand until you're in those shoes and oftentimes um that is that is the thing we need to do is is just stop because there is no reason for you to add yourself to the narrative you're on the ride just listen right and be like well I think the first thing we can say to someone is well what is the best way I can support you right now what is it that you need right now words sometimes don't suffice sometimes I just need a hug Sometimes mm-hmm. I just need someone to, to open another bottle of wine for me. Sometimes I need someone to call my boyfriend and tell him he's an asshole for me. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. don't know. But what we usually don't need is for people to bring up narratives that often summon trauma. And I right. think that that's kind of what is happening in that room is Diane is trying to meet these two worlds together. But what she's doing is she's summoning the trauma for these trans women in the room who have lived their entire lives being terrified that this moment would happen to them. That they finally live this beautiful, perfect, wonderful, magical life with this man who loves them and validates them. But here we are having to accept that another woman is giving him the thing I I can never give him. Mm -hmm. And how do we manage that? Right. Um, Well, this particular piece um, is a narrative that really should be highlighted a little bit more, but it's now starting to come on the rise. Visibility is starting to come on the rise. So it's so fantastic that this piece had fallen into our laps. Uh, what inspired it? Um, I actually was writing for a fellowship with the National Queer Theater and uh, the Dramatist Guild. And I got an honorary mention for the piece. And I will probably be workshopping something along the lines of it in August. However, what I mean, what personally inspired the narrative was I dated somebody that really wanted kids. And I, as a trans person, never really considered what my future would look like having a child. Um, And so I kind of allowed myself in the instability of that connection to explore what that kind of narrative would be. And how would I feel if this person that for the first time in my life as a trans woman, was telling me that they could see a very white picket fence future with me. No one had ever said that to me before. Um, and how do I how do I unpack my biggest fear in that, which would be spending years with a man and then finding out that he got someone else pregnant. And I know for me, uh, V is most definitely a reflection of myself, especially in that one line where um, her brother said, "Sorry, I didn't I didn't think you ever even wanted kids," and she said, "Well, I wanted kids with him." Mm. Um, and that's kind of how I felt in that connection because I've never really wanted kids either because I was never a lot of the fantasy of, of dreaming of having kids mm-hmm. um, in that way. And I think unpacking that connection and unpacking my fears involved with dating a very traditional straight man, that's kind of where this conversation took hold. But you know, unpacking that fear, very real fear of mine and and it didn't work out with him. And I don't speak to that man anymore. Um, but, but I feel like Corey and Diane and Zane are all different parts of, of my own brain. My, the own conversa- our own conversations that we have in our heads, um, they are inspired by people in my life, sure. But I also know for a fact that like some of the things Diane says, I agree with. And some of the things that Corey says, I agree with. Mm-hmm. Some of the things Zane says, I agree with. They're all kind of different narratives that I've had with myself in my own head 
uh, at the time that I was dating that guy. Okay, so casting. I know mm-hmm. that for, for uh, we were talking about casting a little bit earlier on in the process. What was that like now finally presenting um, pieces where we can have trans non-binary LGBTQ people highlighted, represented, um, and, and put forth being able to play their own stories. How was it like casting and finding a director for this piece? Uh, Mika is incredible. I've known Mika for uh, about uh, nine months now, maybe almost a year. We met online during the pandemic. They were doing a lot of writing in writers groups and looking for trans actresses that could come in and fit roles for them. So uh, that's how I kind of ran into Mika. And I've, I've loved everything that Mika has ever done that uh, I've seen and experienced. And their writing is great. Their visions are great. They've worked with amazing people. And his history that he has with uh, the Broadway theater scene is really special as well. And I know that what I wanted more than anything for this piece is it to be directed by someone who was not cis or straight. Um, at the very least, not straight. <laughs> um, because I, I just think that it just wouldn't, it's, it's fine. It could work, but for this to be a pride piece for something, it was really integral for me and everything that I do to continue to provide as many opportunities for people in the LGBT community to work together and come together as possible. Cause not enough people do that for each other. And Absolutely. I know that for me, um, and, and the way I carry myself and my legacy, I, I know that there are great things ahead of me and a lot of those great things come from a place of privilege. I'm light skin, I'm pretty, I'm passing. So what am I going to do with that in my life? And part of that is to continue to pass it over. Frankly, casting the actual cast was relatively difficult beyond uh, Zane's role because I kind of always had Elijah in mind for it when um, I had first thought about hearing someone speak it. Um, and and uh, Micah Elijah is an incredible actor uh, who is so gifted, so talented. And I knew an Elijah for years. And it kind of just goes to show the stuff that we say is really true. We have to uh, nurture the relationships we have because you never know who you can call for a job or vice versa. Um, it was really hard casting uh, the cookie role and the V role. I ended up stepping into the V role because I obviously wrote her to be like me, so it's easy. <laughs> but I didn't necessarily want to do it. I wanted to hear some other woman do it. But unfortunately, this industry is so unkind to uh, Black trans women that it was really hard to find anybody willing to do the role or looking to do work right now. Um, and when I ran into Jada Valenciaga or William Bailey, um, I felt like they really would get the character. And I was a little hesitant to ask them at first because um, they're gender fluid drag queens and I know for me as a non-binary trans woman even I get scared to turn in for roles that may or may not fit me to a T and I knew that that role didn't necessarily fit them to a T but I kind of was walking on eggshells about the idea of having them in the cast relatively early on and I'm glad I asked because I think that there's uh, no one better than I knew in my immediate circle who could have done it more justice. Right. I mean, there's, there's never uh, any shame in asking for something, like even if it's an opportunity that presents itself and, and people don't fit things to a T, right? I mean, part of it is, is acting, although we do want to be able to elevate um, the voices which are uh, relevant 
in the actual uh, pieces themselves. Uh, so thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. But I also, um, but I also think it's important to know that the community is very unforgiving. How do you mean? So the last thing I wanted was to cast someone in a role for an Afro-Latina trans drag queen and have anybody say anything negative about Jada mm -hmm. as someone who presents in a gender fluid way. That was my biggest thing was like the last thing I wanted for anybody to see this role and all of a sudden be like, oh, well, why didn't anybody call me, you know, a, a, a trans woman who exists as a trans woman every day. And not to say that, and I find that very invalidating for, for their identity. Um, but I knew that knowing them and knowing what they were capable of and how they identified it, it would be a perfect job for them. Right. But in the real world, nobody, people would have been terrified to offer that kind of job to that person because it doesn't make sense uh, at face value, the way that casting somebody like, uh, I don't know, like India Moore in a role like that. You know what I mean? Even though, frankly, she's not, she's way more a bee than she is a cookie. Mm -hmm. But um, or like Tranny Licious, this great rapper who I was actually thinking about today. I was like, if she was an actress, and I don't know if she is, but if she's an actress, <laughs> I'd totally give her that role. She'd probably eat it up. Um, but truth of the matter is, the girls aren't pumping the ab looking for theater jobs because the theater world is not nice to us. And there aren't a lot of roles for us. And I, and I made like backstage profiles and stuff and I sent it as, as um, submissions for, for black trans women. And frankly, there were less than 10 pages of actresses who fit the bill for that role. Mm. And so it goes to show that in this world where we wanna to continue to explore LGBT narratives, there's an incredible pool of possibility for trans actresses. And I really want them to know that. And I really want them to go out there and really fucking do it because it's out there for us if that's what we want to do. Right, and may this uh, piece be one of hopefully several that are opening the doors for those opportunities to arise. Uh, so 100%. that, you know, these, these women and non-binary people are able to kind of feel A, represented in, in the work and have their worlds be reflected on stage the way that other uh, narratives and worlds are starting to uh, and have been for a very long time. So I think this is a long time coming and, and may this kind of trend upwards and visibility uh, continue, especially with the momentum that we're, we're going at right now. Is there anything upcoming in your personal artistic world that you would like for the community to know about? Too much. I have a monthly <laughs> show at Rock Bar, a bi-weekly show at Rock Bar every other Monday. Uh, night called group therapy you can find that on my instagram jae music official um i'm also regularly singing on fire island as a sunset cabaret set uh at cherries on thursdays um next wednesday i will be uh at a italian place doing a jazz set with my incredible music director yaz um and then doing a bunch of other stuff in August and October and in November, I'm doing a concert because uh, Jada has written an incredible musical um, that I'm excited to be a part of. Yeah, it's a lot. There's always a lot for me. There's too much for me. That's so fantastic though. Like yeah. we said before, booked and blessed. Blessed and busy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to sit down and have a chat with me. Thank you I for having me, Sonia. I well, love you to the moon and back. <laughs> um, 
Hopefully we'll be able to do this again and continue to hear different stories and um, participate in your journey as an artist. Yes, please. And likewise, I can't wait to be back. Thank you. Well, anyways, thank you guys uh, in the audience for sitting down and watching and listening to this episode of In the Green Room. Uh, happy Pride to all of you out there. Celebrate safe, enjoy, and um, we love to love you. Talk to you uh, next time. <laughs>